What's going on everybody, CJ and Cooper here just to let you guys know that we have expanded the brand even more. We're proud to call Mountaineer Employment Solutions our latest partner. We're proud to team up with these guys, but what does that mean for you? Well, with the pandemic coming to an end, if you or someone that you know needs a job, hit us up. The good folks over at Mountaineer Employment Solutions are looking to put people back to work. And they've got offices in Morgantown and South Charleston, but have openings in Kanawha, Putnam, Marion, Monongalia, and Wood Counties. Check them out over at BeAMountaineer.com. That's BeAMountaineer.com. If you're looking for a career change, let Mountaineer Employment Solutions help you achieve your dreams. Now let's get to the episode with Brad Smith. Smith always knew he'd end up helping West Virginia. The question was really when and how. After graduating from Marshall University and leaving the Mountain State to pursue his passion in the business world, he had every intention to come back and support the state. And now, he has an opportunity to help in a big way with the creation of Ascend West Virginia. Yeah, the Ascend West Virginia program is bringing people to West Virginia by promoting remote work in the outdoor recreation haven that West Virginia provides. It's a rather genius idea, really. Instead of going after big companies like, say, Amazon, he's going after the employees who can work from anywhere they want and maintain a high quality of life while doing so. Brad's credentials really speak for themselves. He's the former CEO of Intuit, but is well known for his philanthropic work as well. And now he's getting a chance to combine all of the tools that he's learned throughout his life with this new program. Safe to say we're glad he's on Team West Virginia. Of course, we got 40 minutes with Brad, so we also discuss his journey from Wayne County to Silicon Valley and how martial arts ultimately taught him the greatest lesson of all. This is an episode that you simply do not want to miss. And as we approach our one year anniversary on West Virginia Day, June 20th, we just want to say thank you for supporting the Mountaineer Media Podcast that's presented by Mr. B. Mace, hit the music. does not always shine in West Virginia, but the people always do. Okay, everybody, thanks for tuning in to the, another edition of the Mountaineer Media Podcast. Our guest today, Brad D. Smith. And Brad, what's going on, man? How are you? Oh, I'm doing great, guys. It's great to be with you today. Yeah, we appreciate you taking some time and, and kind of talking about everything with us you've got a ton going on but let's start back with uh, the grassroots you're from canova west virginia so are you a ck guy did you go to buffalo where what high school where where did those original roots come from no oh, i was a cerrito canova wonder my yeah. brothers went to ck my mother went to ck and uh you know it's great now to be a spring valley timber wolf but there's something special about wonders never cease <laughs> the wonders never cease. That's cool. There's a there's a big mural in Canova too. I think downtown, just across from the uh, um, the little uh, pharmacy. I think right there. Um, yes. It's neat. Yeah. Just a lot of history in that uh, part of the state. But uh, we, we've listened to some of the things that you've you've done before. You've 
been on interviews and whatnot, and, and you've talked about growing up in the 70s right after the plane crash, you know, with Marshall and stuff, how, how that impacted you early on and was a, a big part of, uh, you know, growing up in, in, in West Virginia and really kind of pushing you in the direction that you've gone to today, like in terms of just like, uh, you know, some of the things that you learned and, you know, if that makes sense. <laughs> oh, it makes a ton of sense. Yeah, I had an idyllic childhood. I grew up in that town of Canova, population 3000, if you round up. Had yeah. amazing parents, my mom and my dad. My mother's still with us. My dad passed away in 96, but he was the mayor of our hometown when he mm -hmm. passed away. So we have a lot of roots there. And then my older brother and younger brother still live in Canova. And yes, when I was six years old, that plane crashed. And I can remember hearing the sirens and hearing the police scanners. And of course, it was a rainy evening. Everyone in the community was trying to figure out what's going on. And the town's small enough that you could look outside my bedroom window and you could see the red glow on the sky where the oh flames were sort of lighting up the clouds. So we knew at that time, even though I was a young boy, I was six years old, that something pretty terrible had happened. And of course, what happened throughout the rest of my life, as I saw that community kind of lock arms and rise from the ashes together. And it taught me life's a team sport. And that of course is what Marshall stands for. Marshall's famous, we are Marshall. So uh, it had a big impact on me and I loved growing up in that little town. You hear that now, like when you, you reflect back, you know, you, you've traversed the, the country, the globe with, with business and whatnot. What does that mean to you when you hear Canova get brought up? Does it bring back the memories of, of just community and family and stuff? And do you feel like that you carried that through you throughout your career? Yeah, you know, Cooper, I have on my social media that I'm just a boy from a small hometown who spent the first 22 years looking for a way out mm -hmm. and every day since looking for a way home. Yeah. Wow. I think all of us have a sense of wanderlust and dreaming, and it has to be better than what I know sitting around me in this small little town. And so I've lived in 10 states and been in four different industries, and I have traveled almost every country in the globe. And I can tell you, I've never found anything as special as West Virginia and nothing as pure as my hometown of Canova. So I am a big believer that the things that you seek are inside of you and you can create them right where you are. But if you wanna go out and experience life like I did, I think mm -hmm. you'll quickly learn that there's no place like home. Dorothy didn't have it wrong when she said that in The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> I love that. And it's funny, like we've had so many guests say that almost verbatim. It's like, hey, look, I've been with CEOs. I've been with, I think a guy named Mike Solarchek said that exact phrase. Like I've, I've sat with many people and it's like nothing feels more or no other group of people feel more genuine, humble and hardworking than West Virginians. And it's so true. Um, when you were growing up, what was the game plan? Like you were thinking about college and business was, were you business minded? Like I knew you kind of knew your track or when you started headed to college, you eventually went through Marshall. What was your mindset early on uh, when you were leaving Canova? You know, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do in my life. I had things that I had passion for. So I love the ocean. I loved water. I thought about being an oceanographer or a marine biologist. I love to write, I played guitar and sax, and I tried to write some music and poetry. So I thought about being a journalist. And when I graduated from Marshall, I had a couple job offers, one from the local newspaper, the Herald Dispatch, and the other one from Pepsi. And I sat down with my dad in our back swing out in the backyard. And I asked him, you know, how do I make this choice? Because if I make the wrong decision, my entire career will be ruined. And my dad <laughs> laughed because he knew life's a little more of a roller coaster. There's ups and downs and just enjoy the ride. But of course, when you're 18 years old or you're 22 years old, you're thinking, oh, my gosh, this is make or break. Right. And my dad just gave me three very uh, simple principles to think about. The first was he said, think about the thing that makes your heart beat the fastest. 
And then the second thing he said is surround yourself with people smarter than you and in a company that will put you in a stretch position so that you'll have to learn and grow. Mm -hmm. And the third is never take a job for the money or the title because those things will change over time. And so when I sat back and thought about it, it led me to Pepsi because it was an amazing company that was going to give me the opportunity to learn how to be a people manager, which I had come to appreciate. I really liked from my days of teaching martial arts in Canova. And then the second is Pepsi was renowned for hiring incredibly talented people and putting you in very big assignments that would stretch you. And so I took that opportunity and I moved to Indianapolis and the rest was history. So I truly can't tell you I had this life plan. I had a transaction plan, which is make every choice based upon the things that really got my heart beating fast and surrounded mm -hmm. me by people smarter than me that I could learn and grow and try not to ever take the job just because of the title or the money. And that mm -hmm. kind of guided me throughout my entire career. I like that. What makes your heart beat the fastest? Right. You know, what makes you a little bit nervous? What kind of gets you excited? I, I love that. That's a, yeah. a good a good way to look at it. Now, I hear you are a black belt. Does that get your heart beat pumping still? <laughs> it does. Only because I can't do half the things I should be able to do as a black belt. But yes, I did. I had a chance to get my black belt as I came up through martial arts. And then I had the chance to teach students. And I have to tell you, CJ, one of the amazing things about my experience was Coming up through martial arts, you learn the skills you need to advance your belt rank. But when you get halfway to black belt, you become a student instructor. And I started to discover something in myself that I didn't really fully appreciate, which is I got more excited to see my students advance their skills. And so that's mm -hmm. what really led me to people management, as I love helping somebody turn their individual ability into potential and capability. And that really became my mantra going forward. Why, why do you think that is? And it does feel like, okay, learning something is so incredible, but being able to pass that on to somebody else and seeing them be able to display that same knowledge, well, just in terms of, of what you've done, and why do you think that that is what almost life is all about to some point? Gosh, you know, this is what philosophers have thought about throughout the ages. They, <laughs> yeah, they always exactly. talk about it's better to give than to receive. I know that's certainly true for me. and. Mm -hmm. I remember one of my favorite quotes is, you know, society is being served well when the oldest men and women view their job is to plant trees under whose shade they may never sit. Mm. And that basically means do it for the generations that will follow you. And I think that's what really lights me up is the opportunity to invest in someone else. I had a great mentor. We'll probably talk about him at some point, Bill Campbell. He's known as the trillion dollar coach. He passed away a few years ago, but he was the coach to Steve Jobs and to Larry and Sergey, the co-founders of Google, to myself, to Jeff Bezos and Amazon, and the list goes on. So they called, they wrote a book about him called The Trillion Dollar Coach. He started out as a football coach and ended up in the Silicon Valley and has coached everyone in the Valley. Almost every single person running the company was coached wow. by him. Wow. And Bill used to say to me, when I see you, Brad, I see two people, the person you are and the person you're capable of being. And I want to introduce those two people. And it's that investment in someone else to help them become the greatest version of themselves they can be that I think wow. really lights us all up. It's pretty cool. Well, and it's, it's a phenomenal point, Brett, because I've said this to, you know, we've, you probably know some of the people we've had on. We've had like Wes Bush, Northrop Grumman. We've had on um, John, um, John Chambers. Um, you know, we've had on folks that, you know, a lot of people know John Chambers. He's very public, his persona. Not a whole lot of West Virginians, I don't think, know Wes Bush as much um, from that perspective. And I always ask him, I said, I think it's no coincidence that West Virginians end up in leadership positions because of what you just said. Like, we're 
I think this culture almost identifies as like people, you know, I'm like a, I'm a people person, right? Like I know how to talk to people. I know how to advance or I know how to just like hold a conversation. And I'm, I'm convinced as I've navigated, I'm a financial advisor and I, I work um, doing retirement planning for individuals. I've noticed that what really gets me ahead is not, you know, the technical skills. I need to know investments. I need to know portfolio returns, taxes, all this stuff, but it's actually just the ability to talk to people. Right. And it's so I just think it's no coincidence that you find West Virginians in these leadership type positions because we grew up in such a community, family and, and communication style basis. When you were a CEO and you were CEO, a major CEO of a, a corporation, you're the chairman of multiple other companies. What were some of the did you feel like you leaned on those skills those communication skills? And like you were just saying, like you, that's where you found your strength was in that side of it. Or do you equally enjoy the the hard technical like execution side of the hustle of running running a business? Yeah, well, I enjoyed all of it, but I do agree, Cooper. I think you're on an important point here. Uh, one of the things that Bill Campbell used to say is, I don't care if you're in the retail business, you're in the software business, you know, you're in the defense business. We're all in the people business, right? Because yeah. it all takes employees, it all takes customers, it all takes partners, and those are all people. And then I think about one of the things I've noticed over my career is I've lived in so many different places and traveled the world is most places you go to, the first thing they ask you is your name and what do you do for a living? Mm -hmm. But in West Virginia, they ask you your name and whether you're a Cabell County Smith or a Wayne County Smith. <laughs> they wanna size up the family and the family tree and the DNA to know if you come from good stock or not. And so I think it's because of that orientation that West Virginians go into their jobs and they realize it's people before projects. Yep. It's lives before livelihoods. And we invest in building that relationship and that trust. And we actually try to be servant leaders. We try to help those before we help ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think that has helped enable many West Virginians to be very successful in their careers. 100%, 100%. And just being like extremely present in a conversation. Cause like we've had, you know, US, we've had Joe Manchin on here, we've had senators. And it's like every West Virginian, it's like, it's so easy to just talk to. It just feels like, oh, I can talk to that person. Like, even though for us, it's like, oh, we're having a major CEO on or US senator. But it's like West Virginians <laughs> just have a funny way of just being able to communicate. So I, I trust me, I, throughout the corporate world, I, I share that as much. And I, I just believe it to be true because I, I see it everywhere I go. It, it seems like West Virginians are in places where it's, if you need someone to be able to communicate and lead it seems like they're a good fit for it well we're storytellers as well right yeah yeah we have no problem turning something into a story and hopefully making it something that you get excited about so a combination of caring deeply about people and having the ability to tell a story i think those are magical attributes that allow west virginians to do some really cool things and kind of going back to something you'd said earlier and, and turning the page here it, it, you you, you never you wanted to leave forever forever and then now you, you're doing anything that you can to come back and between setting up the outdoor economic collaborative and ascend west virginia you know what what are why do you feel like it is time to kind of come back and i mean i know that you've you've had a, a you know a connection to west virginia for forever but here specifically over the last five years it does feel like brad smith's name has been popping up a lot and and between west virginia marshall and everywhere in between why is now the time that you're it feels like you're you're really trying to uh create some some waves in the state well i i think there's a collective we trying to do that i feel like we're at a strategic intersection as a state where our opportunity has come mm -hmm. you know we've had our share of adversity now we don't have a monopoly on adversity there have been a lot of other places that have gone through tough times and we've studied those places. We've studied Ireland, which are our sort of descendants. You know, the Scots-Irish right. helped mm -hmm. settle the, the mountains of West Virginia. 
we studied Israel and India and France, and we studied Pittsburgh and Detroit, and we've looked at how they've all sort of seized the moment and then made the right sorts of decisions to create a whole new chapter for themselves. And West Virginia is at that precipice now. You see how we navigated both going into COVID and coming out of COVID. You look at how we've leaned into entrepreneurial education and all the universities in K through 12. We have these beautiful assets and these amazing people with communities that look like they're off of a Hallmark TV. Mm -hmm. And then you just say, come into West Virginia and enjoy this amazing life in this world where you can live, work and play in the same location. Mm -hmm. And it really is appealing. But to go back to why now for me, it's a combination of two things. When I completed my master's degree up in Michigan, I had to write a thesis. And my thesis was basically that one day I would come back home. <laughs> Even at that early age, I would go back home and whatever I had learned or experienced, or if I was blessed enough to accumulated something, I would mm -hmm. give it back to the state mm -hmm. because the state invested in me and saw something in me that I probably didn't recognize in myself. And if that came to be true, then I would want to do that for the next generation. So as I stepped out of being CEO, I really wanted to have the opportunity to spend more of my time back in the state and to try to bring back either the best practices the relationships I have with people that I've met that could share their experiences with students or create programs like Ascend West Virginia, where people could come and make West Virginia their home state. And it's just that perfect time now. And it just happens mm -hmm. to be that my timing stepping out of CEO and these other things happening with us coming out of COVID happen mm -hmm. to coincide. So I'm leaning in as heavy as I can. So uh, this is one question about Ascend that it's very specific because it is all about bringing people to West Virginia working remotely. Can maybe you take us back to the, the origins of that idea? Was it was it COVID that sparked that or was this something pre post? Like where did that because working remotely, of course, has been the big discussion with COVID, but maybe take us back to that original spark of inspiration. Yeah, it goes back quite a ways before COVID. I figured so. As, so yeah. <laughs> I've spent time trying to study with others, Ireland and India and Israel and France and these mm -hmm. other places. You start to see that there's an ecosystem that needs to be in place to really create the next generation and the next chapter of opportunity for the state. And to have that ecosystem, you have to grow the next generation of students who have the skills and capabilities to participate in this new economy. Right. But you also have to become a place where others who have those skills want to move to the place and say, hey, I want to be a part of this. And so it really started in 2016 when I was studying what Ireland had done and others. But then in 2019, a lot of places were competing for Amazon's second headquarters. Yep. West Virginia tried to put themselves on the list along with so many others. Mm -hmm. And quickly, a lot of people got eliminated because they didn't have the qualifications. But then I noticed something. There were these scrappy communities that said, hey, I'm going to stop competing for these companies and trying to offer these pretty significant tax breaks. I'm going to compete for their employees, mm. especially those who have permission to live anywhere they want to live. Wow. And so began to study the state of Vermont and Shoals, Alabama and Bentonville, Arkansas and Tulsa, Oklahoma and so many of these other programs. And some were successful and some weren't. And truly made it a passion project where I went deep and studied everything I could about what you needed to do to make sure it was successful and what things to avoid so that you didn't fall into the pitfall of those that hadn't worked. And then began to share that and all the fireside chats that I was doing in West Virginia. I shared mm -hmm. it with the government. I shared it with the universities. And it happened to be West Virginia University was starting this thing called the Outdoor Economic Development Collaborative, which really has two points. One is middle school and high school kids teach them STEM, science, technology, and engineering, and math through our great outdoors. 
So they actually get out on a mountain bike and find out how physics makes the bike work. And they get to zip line and find out how physics makes a zip line work. And so they get really excited about science, but they do it through having a lot of fun. And I said, I love this idea. Unfortunately, it's going to take us eight or nine or 10 years to graduate (laughs) these young men and women. And so the other thing we talked about was what about also adding additional element to this outdoor economic development collaborative? Let's do a remote work program. And so to their credit, they took the ball, they ran with it, and then we launched the thing. And eventually it happened to be COVID came along and it made remote work something everyone became interested in. So we were perfectly timed. Unbelievable. Yeah. I, again, I think almost having somebody was moving some chess pieces around for us. (laughs) That's it. That is incredible. Yeah. What is up, guys? This is the Mountaineer Roasting Coffee Break, and it is 5.52 in the morning, and I'm enjoying a delicious cup of coffee from Mountaineer Roasting. And you know what? I saved 15% because I went on mountaineerroasting.com and used code MEDIA15. Shout out to Rusty, the founder of Mountaineer Roasting Company, for hooking up our listeners of the Mountaineer Media Podcast with that discount code. If you didn't catch it, it's MEDIA15. MEDIA15 gets you 15% off their delicious coffee. You can order right online mountaineerroasting.com they'll ship it right to your house it's got a handwritten note when it was roasted the whole bag smells delicious you will want to brew multiple cups every morning i usually stop at about three but i wish i could have more um, because it's so so good so mountaineerroasting.com media 15 gets you 15 percent off now let's get right back to the episode with brad smith and I mean, to, you know, I, I graduated from the College of Business, now the Chambers College. So it was cool telling John that when I went there, it was College B&E. Then I'm glad to say it's the Chambers College now, um, which that building looks like it's slowly and surely getting done. That's going to be exciting to see that new building on the waterfront there in Morgantown. Um, yeah. But you're right, because my MBA program, we focused very much on, you know, we studied small town economics. I went to a little town called Wardensville, West Virginia, and a guy named Paul Yandora was a D.C. guy, like operated in like politics and like non profits basically left Washington DC um, like I don't know seven or eight years ago and settled down in this town called Wardensville West Virginia um, and really has built up a small like you said like a small niche kind of um, these little communities micro communities in West Virginia that one I think that our culture embraces more and two it's just more feasible to like work and develop like these little pockets of like you said like hallmark almost esque like towns of West Virginia so as my MBA program we got to study that what's working what's not working how can we repeat this in like a little town like Thomas West Virginia um, I know Ascend is in what Shepherdstown Morgantown and then is it Lewisburg is the Lewisburg, other one yeah Mm-hmm. Um, which obviously are, are good, solid foundational cities that we can repeat. Like if like Fayetteville, West Virginia, obviously is expl- it's been exploding, but now with the with the national park, that's gonna that that thing's gonna blow through the roof in the next you know five to ten years. But I think we can, like you said, it doesn't have to be a big company that comes in and like rescues West Virginia. Like we don't. Yes, we love big corporations like you know something like the Virgin Hyperloop. That's great big investment, big name, like those type of stuff is cool. But I think when I see West Virginia as an entrepreneurial haven, small business world, like developing those pockets of, of towns is, is what will be successful. But, but to your point, you need, 
you need workers, you need qualified people, you need people to want to live there and come there and be able, quite frankly, to have the internet connection to be able to live in Davis, West Virginia, go up Dolly Saws, as you can see, is my Zoom background. I, we hike through here all the time. But if I want to be a software engineer that's completely remote, I would love to be able to live in Davis, West Virginia, and then get, get that West Virginia experience, but also have a you know high paying professional job. Um, so I, I think it's a perfect storm for people wanting to leave big cities during COVID and kind of come out. I think a lot of societal shifting is happening and West Virginia seems to be in the perfect spot to take advantage of it. Oh, absolutely, Cooper. And you know, what you just talked about is actually backed up by big secular trends. We call it the 75% reality, our family foundation, the wing to wing foundation. And the 75% reality is 75% of net new jobs will be created by startups. And the second is that 75% of those graduating school right now say they want to start or own their own business. They don't want to work for someone else. Mm-hmm. And yet 75% of all the venture capital money the last several years went to three places, California, New York, and Boston. Wow. So even though opportunity and passion are equally distributed, unfortunately, capital and jobs are not. And so what we've been leaning into, and I know John mentioned this to you and others because we're working together on this, is we see a vision for West Virginia as the startup state. Mm-hmm. because we already know how to do things with our hands. You know, right. we are doers. We mined the coal that forged the steel that built the interstates and built this nation. Mm-hmm. We figured out how to launch the rockets in the movie October Sky that put a man on the moon. We had hidden figures, the women that figured out how to do the computational assessment to get the man back off the moon and back safely to Earth. We are now getting Virgin Hyperloop, but we are startup entrepreneurs we know how to do things and so this is the real opportunity for us and i think to your point the secular trends have caught up now where people can live anywhere they want Mm -hmm. these digital nomads and they want to live in a place where they can experience life like what we have to offer in west virginia Mm -hmm. it is absolutely our time Mm -hmm. yeah and and go to a place where there's history i mean you want to talk about the history of west virginia you just rattled off some of the the most notable you know parts of, and events in, in American history and they were all you know connected to West Virginia of some sort so and culture know. too like to be able to just like go down to like a little local like brewery in like you know like a small town in West Virginia like how cool that would be um what needs to happen though Brett and, and like how much collaboration is it because like I'm a I'm a believer like not to be like political I just don't think government solves all of our problems so I and I get frustrated when it's like oh well what the government state government the government's going to do what the government does like whether you're Republican you're a Democrat I'm a big believer uh, you know we started this podcast as entrepreneurs we were tired of the state being talked about in the negative lights so we're like hey we're going to build a small company called Mountaineer Media and we're going to interview influential West Virginians and we're going to partner with small businesses to share the these West Virginia values. I believe in just doing it, that sort of thing. But what are, but you can say that and that sounds good and it fires people up, but there, there is a place for, you Execution. know, statewide problems and bureaucracies and whatnot. Like so what, my question, I guess, is in your mind, what are some of the hurdles that we need to as a state to allow this vision that we all have of, of an entrepreneur haven to happen? Like maybe the top couple things that we have to nail over the next 18 months, 24 months, 36 months. Yeah, Cooper, I, I think, first of all, it can't be all government and it can't be all private citizens. It has to be a public private partnership. And that's what Ascend West Virginia is as well. So to the credit to the governor and to the Department of Tourism and to many others, mm-hmm. they stepped up and said, we want to partner in this effort. And so what we brought to the table with our family foundation in support of WVU 
is we said, we're going to pay for the relocation and retention benefits. We'll pay for the co-working facilities. We'll pay for the rental equipment and we'll pay for some infrastructure improvements in these communities. So they have bike trails and hiking trails and access to white water. And then the governor said, we'll step in and we'll make sure we have policies in place where the companies and these employees don't get unfairly taxed if they want to live in West Virginia. Mm. We will lean into broadband so we have the infrastructure. We'll lean into housing and affordable housing to make sure that we have the right sort of policies in place so developers can come in and build the housing necessary for 1,000 remote workers over the next five years. Mm -hmm. And those are all infrastructure things that the government's uniquely positioned to do. But there are things that we were able to fund that the government shouldn't be doing. And right. you put those two together and you've got one plus one equals 11. Now, what I think we have to do as a state, I think there's one thing that above everything else has got to be solved. And it's not an eight to 10 year plan. I think if we don't get it solved in three to five years, you can count our state out for the next 20. And that is ubiquitous broadband connectivity for every mm -hmm. house and every hauler in the state. All yep. 55 counties, every kid. No kid should ever have to go to a Walmart parking lot to figure out how to distance learn. None of our parents or grandparents should ever have to try to do telemedicine and they can't access their doctor. And so they have to get in a car and drive 45 minutes. Yep. No entrepreneur is going to want to start in West Virginia if they can't get access. No remote worker and no company is going to move to the state if they have broadband connectivity. So right. beyond anything else, that has to be job one and priority one. And there is no one single solution. I've heard a lot of people get excited about Starlink, Starlink, or I've heard people yeah. get excited about you name the next. And the truth is we have a challenging topography. It's going to take a mosaic of fiber in the ground, Wi-Fi, and everything else in between, including satellites and Starlink. And we need to be okay with that. But what we have to have is we need to have one single plan. Right. And everyone needs to play a certain part of that plan. And it needs to add up to one plan. And that's the thing that I'm hoping to see as we look forward. Is it just you, so physically hard because of the mountains? Like, is it literally the mountains is what makes it? I mean, there's multiple factors into why maybe not enough investment for decades in terms of the infrastructure, but literally the mountains make it difficult for like internet. Is that, I mean, is that a real problem? It, it's a combination of two or three things. And I don't mean to oversimplify it. There are people no, much more knowledgeable than me, but I will start with what you pointed out, which is topography. But our mountains are also high rises in urban cities and people figured out how to solve it. Mm -hmm. Then the second is our legacy technology is multiple generations old. So we have copper in the ground instead of fiber. So we have to go in and replace the foundational. And then the third is we are a rural and very dispersed population. And so it's not always economically feasible for someone to go in if it was purely a private enterprise and try mm -hmm. to hook up every house because they, they would lose money. Right. So this is where we've got to look at this like the next generation of utilities. This is like electrification of the United States. Right. And this is lighting up our state. And we should not leave any house or holler. We cannot declare success when we have Charleston, Huntington, Morgantown, you name your city, hmm. we have to have every corner of the state lit up and we've got to find a way to subsidize it where it's not economically feasible and incentivize it where it is. Hmm. Do you feel that we are moving in that direction or we have talked about broadband, expanding broadband, maybe on every episode that we've ever had in this Mountaineer Media podcast, but does it feel like we are properly moving in the right direction? I would tell you for the first time in the last couple of years, I've heard this show up as the number one priority no in question. every person's list, whether they are an elected official in the state, they represent us in Washington or their private industry. 
At the same time, I have not yet seen a plan and I have not yet heard, here's the point person that we can hold accountable that will be the orchestra conductor. Some of us play the trumpet, some of us play trombone, some of us play drums, but somebody needs to get us all to play off the same sheet of music. Yeah. And whoever that person is, I can't wait to salute that person and say, <laughs> tell me the role, put me in coach. Right. And so those are the two things I feel it's missing. And then the third I would say is a sense of urgency. I have heard recent quotes that say, oh, we'll get there in eight to 10 years. And I don't mean to be an alarmist, but I can tell you the world is moving 10 times faster than it was five years ago. And if we aren't there in three to five, we're really going to struggle as a state to get out of the bottom 50 or 49 or 50th position and everything. We've got to be able to move faster. Yeah, it, it, it seems like we are just throwing at between you and and John doing, I mean, the, the Hyperloop working on getting so much into the state, it does feel like it would just be such a letdown if we can't get over this final hurdle. Oh, you know, it, 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 I don't know. It's it just none of us wanted to get to that point. Well, it's hard, Brett. You're right, because it's like, who who is the, it's hard to be. It's such an issue that's such statewide and it's intertwined with with politics and government. And you need you need private investment. You need you need to raise capital for it. Um, it's hard to be like you need someone to champion it. And that's and that's a hell of an ask to ask someone, hey, like champion an entire state's connectivity or even one person. So it's it's challenging. Almost needs like some type of like special commission needs to like, I mean, maybe exists already, but some type of like special commission needs to like form and like, uh, I don't know, like some type of board and just go for it, I guess. Um, you know, it's what's cool, Cooper, is over the last couple of years, I've leaned in heavily into broadband and spent a lot of time with some of our state legislators, as well as the governor, as well as private industry and talking to John about it. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we learn in the technology industry is a quote, which is sometimes the best experiment to run is one that someone already ran for you and proved it to be successful. Mm. So that's why we studied Ireland and Israel and India and France and Pittsburgh, Detroit, they've turned around their economies. Well, we've been studying broadband. We're not the only place in the world right. that has mountains or skyscrapers or no, rural no. populations. And there have been communities like Ammon, Idaho, that literally stepped in in a public private partnership and got the entire place lit up. And so one of the things we just have to do is it used to be called plagiarism. Now it's called benchmarking. Just mm -hmm. go copy and paste and let's yeah. execute. And so to your point, I think instead of stepping back and asking ourselves with a clean sheet, how are we going to do this? I think we should go find the closest analogs that have already done it right. and literally just pick that plan up and say, okay, you're on point. Let's put the money in and let's start project managing this and just, just get it moving. So I don't mean to oversimplify it, but right. I have a lot of passion and to your point, a lot of impatience for mm -hmm. we've got to really get this thing going. And I hope that now's the time with all these other things happening that we'll seize the moment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you can do it in West Virginia, you can do it anywhere. So Absolutely. let's knock it out here. Hey everyone, if you like what you hear, this is Birds Still Chirpin' by Alexandra Ayu. She's a talented artist out of the Charleston area. You can find her on Spotify and Apple Music. And hey, if you are a local musician or you know somebody that makes just good music, let us know. We'd love to incorporate local artists as much as possible just like this. So give us a shout. Let us know how we can help. You might just be on the next episode of the Mountaineer Media Podcast.
What's up, friends? Let's take a quick breather here and remind you that the podcast is presented by Mr. B Chips. Mr. B Chips is the only company that is making chips in West Virginia. Their CEO, Mary Ann Kettleson, is an absolute rock star, philanthropist, CEO, uh, thoroughbred, West Virginian through and through. She is just uh, someone who just cares so deeply about the Mountain State. So thank you to them. Um, but look, guys, we're coming up on our one year anniversary. Isn't that crazy? We certainly cannot believe that. You know, we've had 45 episodes. We've heard from NASA engineers, Netflix stars, CEOs, billionaires like John Chambers, community leaders, black history professors, you know, you name it. We have spoken to these people and they're all easy to talk to, down to earth, passionate, caring, just good-hearted West Virginians, and those are the people that we want to shine light on with our platform, uh, and we thank you so much for supporting us. We, we truly do, um, and of course, let me just remind you that everything can be found at mountaineermedia.org. Mountaineermedia.org, of course, is our home base, right? That's where we've got our 12-person blog team pushing out articles week after week. They're incredible. That's where you can find summaries of our guests. And also, all of these small businesses that we're now partnering with, we're sharing their West Virginia values. We resonate with them. They resonate with the state of West Virginia. So we certainly want to partner, promote, and really just advance their beliefs and causes because they're making this state a better place. So all of that can be found over at mountaineermedia.org. Sign up for the newsletter and you'll get some updates from us occasionally. We will not pepper you with annoying emails. We don't believe in that. We certainly do not want to be a bother. We want to be a light and enjoyment, maybe give you a laugh, maybe give you a positive boost in this hectic world um, that we have because there's nothing I love more than uh, talking West Virginia. I'm looking across my room. I got a West Virginia plaque on the wall from WU. I've got a West Virginia shirt on. Um, it's just... I hope it comes through how sincere we are with trying to advance the Mountain State with this effort, the Mountaineer Media uh, podcast, blogs, and all this stuff. So thank you so much. Our one-year anniversary is coming up on June 20th, so look out for some fun giveaways on June 20th, which, of course, is West Virginia Day. I know, maybe it's just too much. <laughs> um, but look, guys, thank you again so much. Let's finish out this episode with Brad Smith. Um, going back to the Ascend, where, where is the process with that now? I know, um, you know, the, uh, the, just the Morgantown application had opened uh, not too, too long ago, but where's the process at now and getting people to West Virginia? Uh, CJ, it's been unbelievable. We've had uh, 200,000 plus unique visitors come to the website. Yeah. Oh my gosh. More than 7,000 completed applications just for Morgantown. Yeah. Yep. And it has come from all 50 states and now from 73 countries oh around my the world. Holy insane. cow. <laughs> and that was for the first 50 positions. So the first Man. 50 that will be cohort number one, of course, we plan to bring in over a thousand over the next five years. Mm -hmm. Now, Shepherdstown and Lewisburg, we're planning to open up applications in the midsummer, but we have now closed down the application process as a, as a fact of May 31st. So yeah. in Morgantown, we have to sort through 7,000, make sure we're picking the right 50 people to come in and really roll up their sleeves and be a part of this community building effort, but also bring the skills and the talent that we hope to have to help build this foundation for the 21st century. It's going to be exciting. And we hope to get them here over the summer and into the early yeah. fall. And then we'll have the co-working facility for them to work with and uh, it'll be ready to rock and roll. 
That's awesome. Wow, that's in 73 countries. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, I think you've got plenty to pick from. Yeah. <laughs> we do have plenty to pick from. And yeah, that's the thing. Sometimes when we're sitting in our own mountains, we can be frustrated with the current state. And there's a reason to be frustrated. Everyone can see the opportunities and we all want to be a part of making it better. But then when you actually look at us through somebody else's eyes mm-hmm. and you see how many people were interested in West Virginia mm-hmm. and how many people were so excited that they're willing to relocate their families to move to our community. Right. And it gives you just the sense of pride of, hey, there's something here. Yeah. Right. Gosh, what, if that doesn't make you feel good. I don't know what will. Yeah. Well, people, <laughs> it, it's so, when you travel abroad too, I'm sure as you've seen, like so many people, like they know America, of course, but like if you say you're from West Virginia, like I've had, yeah. I was, for example, I was in China, deep in China at a, a bar, believe it or not, on my study abroad at CW. Mm-hmm. We're in this bar and we kind of, none of us were actually like we're wearing West Virginia gear, but then somehow I got brought up with someone that we were from West Virginia and they just broke out singing country roads to us, singing it to us at like one in the morning in a, in a bar, like deep in China. And honestly, it made us like almost like cry because it was like, oh my gosh, like they know our state, like they know our culture. Yeah. It was also just like one of the most surreal experiences in, uh, in my life, Beautiful. just hearing that. Yeah. That's happened to me too, Cooper. And I love that. I said, anywhere I go in the world, everyone knows the words to the song, mm-hmm. take me home, you right. know, country roads, take me home. And that's why I loved when we launched Ascend West Virginia, we launched it on April 12th. And that was the 50th anniversary of John Denver's release <laughs> yeah. of that song. Wow. Oh, yeah. that's cool. So yep. again, it was like serendipity where everything was yep. come together and said, this was meant to be, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, that is awesome. Yeah, Governor Justice, he was fired up the day that he announced that. He, <laughs> uh, he was. He, you know, he's been such an amazing partner, and so has Secretary Ruby, and you know, everyone in the Economic Development Group. I mean, people have truly leaned in. West Virginia University, tons of credit for the hard work and effort they put in. I mean, this is one of the amazing things. One of my favorite words is a Zulu word, and it's called Ubuntu. And you probably remember Nelson Mandela used this when he came back and decided, you know, he was going to be the president and And Ubuntu basically means I am because we are. Mm. And of course, that means a lot to me at Marshall. You know, we are Marshall. I am because we are. And that's what I love about West Virginia is I feel like we know we're all a part of something bigger than ourselves. And it's usually our communities and our families and our state pride. And that's the way the governor showed up that day. And, you know, he's showing up that way every day since to try to make this program successful. And I'm deeply appreciative of that. I love that. Long Walk to Freedom, one of my favorite books, Nelson Mandela. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But Brad, so you you were the CEO of one of the largest, most innovative companies. You're the chairman, you're the current chairman of, of Nordstrom, right? Um, and but it feels like you could equally run a small business coffee shop on Main Street. Like you have such a passion for <laughs> community people and, and, and small business, like in small business. What's your like, favorite cappuccino flavor? I guess that's what we need to, can you, <laughs> where, where's that, where does that passion from a small business come from? Because like, like we've, like we've identified, I think that is the key to West Virginia is developing those microeconomic environment, you know, little town, small business oriented, but where does your passion, because when you were working on with, with like your, the tax work, it was software for small businesses, right. Around like small business packages. Like where does that come from, from you? And, and why is that so like near and dear to your heart? Well, I think it comes from our communities uh, where I grew up. So there aren't a lot of Fortune 500 companies in Canova, West Virginia, but there is Griffith and Fowl Drugstore. <laughs> and there's Everett's Pizza yeah. and Austin's Ice Cream and Camden yeah. Park and, you know, yeah. all those right. things that we grew up with. And so I know what makes a community's heartbeat. And ultimately, somehow that got infused in my DNA. So throughout my career, if you look at my choices, 
I spent seven years in packaged goods serving consumers. But after that, my career began to focus on small businesses. And I did that in a direct mail marketing company. I did that at ADP, where I was in the small business division, and then at Intuit, where we actually serve families who struggle to make it paycheck to paycheck. That's what TurboTax is built to do. Right. We also serve small businesses with QuickBooks and our related payments and payroll products. And so I love being a champion for the overlooked and the underserved. I love being that sort of warrior for the underdog. Mm -hmm. And that community of small businesses is where all the businesses and the jobs get created. And that just for me is exciting. Now, we also know it's a tough slog. I mean, people right. don't realize that a small business, one out of two fail in the first five years. Right. And so the odds are against them. And yet, when you talk to any small business owner, they're always sure it's going to be the other guy who's going to fail. They're going to make it. They're never <laughs> short of passion and sort of grit. And I love that because that kind of feels like a West Virginian to me, someone who gets mm -hmm. up and dusts themselves off. So that's my passion. And yes, I served as the CEO for 11 years at Intuit. I'm now the executive chairman of the board at Intuit. Plus, I'm on Nordstrom and SurveyMonkey's boards. Mm -hmm. And for me, I love just who they serve because they're out mm -hmm. there trying to serve the same man and woman that I grew up with in my family and the same small businesses that powered my community. Yeah. Wow. Free promo here. Camden Park is open for anybody wanting to go check it out. It did just open for the season. So um, Brad, anytime we have somebody on that's just well decorated within, you know, just the, the business world or just a, a well decorated West Virginian for whatever it is, we always ask, like, what, what advice would you give? What would you tell somebody growing up in in Wayne County right now that uh, maybe in your footsteps, you know, trying mm -hmm. to get to where you want to be? What, what would you tell them is one of the keys to success? Well, I, I'd give them two things to think about. One is the key to success is grit. Mm hmm grit and perseverance. And so there's a great book written by Angela Duckworth and the name of the book is called Grit. And mm -hmm. it is a study of what the number one predictor of success is across every industry and profession, whether it's sports or it's business or it's academia or it's even elected office. And it's not IQ, it is grit and perseverance. Mm -hmm. The ability to get up, dust yourself off and try again, because the world is full of ups and downs and it's the person who never gives up. So mm. that's the first thing is just never give up on your dreams. Never give up. If you have a setback, just get up, dust yourself off and do it again. But then the, the piece of advice I would hope to share is a little bit of a story. I'm a big fan of King Arthur and I've read every version of King Arthur and watched every version of the movie. And what's neat about it is there's one thing that's consistent in every version, and it's when they lost their way for a period of time in Camelot, and they go out on this quest to find the Holy Grail. Mm -hmm. And all these knights ride for years and years to try to find this potential Holy Grail that possesses the secret. And eventually, a knight comes back, Percival. Uh, some say it's Galahad, but whichever one you want to believe in which version, I always thought it was Percival, came back and said to King Arthur, Unfortunately, I had the grail in my grasp. It was really a hallucination. But he said, but I did hear the secret. And Arthur said, what's the secret? And he said, that which you seek cannot be found. It can only mm. be made. Wow. The land and the king are one. And what that basically means is be the change in the world that you seek. It's not out there for you to go discover it. It's inside of you. So wow. if you're in Wayne County and you want to be a part of an exciting company, and you want to grow an amazing career, and you want to build things that operate in the cloud with big data, you could go to the Silicon Valley, I did, or you could stay right in Wayne County and build it because mm -hmm. it's all inside of you. 
And I can say that we should never limit our dreams based upon where we are. We should make our dreams happen right where we are. And we ought to make West Virginia the next Silicon Valley. So that's what I hope is everyone understands that that which they seek cannot be found. It must be made. It exists in all of us. And West Virginians have an unfair advantage because we live in the heart of the mountains, surrounded by people full of grit. And if we just form friendships right there and say, let's do it here, the rest of the world will come to us. Wow. I love it. It could, could not have said it better. I completely agree. Um, I don't think that that lesson made the Monty Python edition of the Holy Grail, but uh, that's <laughs> merely a flesh wound. <laughs> Just tis a flesh wound. Merely a flesh wound. <laughs> Come back here. I'll bite your ankle. <laughs> well, Brad, oh, look, you, you've been gracious every time. Let's go, we'll do a lightning round. I always like, cause like, you know, I, I like having people on here and I always like, um, People ask me, what's it like to interview like like people? I say, look, it's easy. I, I just talk to you about stuff. I want to get I want to get fun stuff from you. So lightning round, some quick questions I wrote down here. Um, um, so answer a couple words and I'll keep it moving quick. What time do you wake up in the morning? Five o'clock. Coffee or tea? Tea. Pineapple on pizza. Is that crazy or that's pretty good? Pretty good. Awesome. Okay. I love it. Um, we'll keep it there. Look, Brad, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much for joining the podcast, man. It's... um. <laughs> It's been fun. You're inspiring. Fun. You're you're a leader in West Virginia um, for West Virginians, which is important. This, if we're going to move forward as a state, we can't leave uh, groups of people behind, and we're not trying to recruit new people in to replace people. We're just trying to add to the the great culture that we have. So, uh, which is exactly what we're trying to do. We, we CJ and I, and our partner Mason, who runs the production off screen here. Um, you know, we're all working full-time job cj's on tv as a sports reporter i'm a financial advisor you know we all have different jobs we built mountaineer media to highlight individuals like you small businesses like you with mr b chips mountaineer roasting coffee mountaineer employment solutions are our partners that we've brought on to share their values to, through our audience so you capture so much of what we're trying to do and you know we greatly appreciate your time with us today on the podcast Guys, it's been a pleasure. And I have to tell you, you inspire me and you, you inspire the rest of West Virginia. And it is no surprise that so many people are willing to come on this podcast with you. You're amazing. You're an example of what we need and what we're capable of being. So thank you. Hey everyone, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you again to Brad for hopping on and talking about your life and your journey and Ascend West Virginia and really all of the problems that West Virginia still has, but hopefully those are problems that we can get over because West Virginia feels like we're just on the brink of doing something really big and really making a name for this state. Hopefully all of these plans that we've been talking about for a while now on this platform and Brad has clearly outlined uh, all come to fruition. We all hope it does. So thank you again, Brad, for showing some of your, your big ideas and sharing them with us. Shout out to our producer, Mason Jack. As always, the edits and the cuts in this are smooth and clean. The audio's crisp and uh, because it's really because of Mason. So Mason, thank you, buddy, holding us down as always. But that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you, guys. Big news coming up. We're going to do a one-year anniversary show on June 20th. So make sure... To stick around for us that's going to do it here for the next two weeks thank you guys june 20th big episode check back then see you